Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. Let's join in for this week's message. Man, hasn't this been a great month? Come on, how many have had a great month during Encounter Month? How many of you, raise your hand, how many of you, God has done something for you during this past month? How, how many of you would say, God has answered a prayer for me during this past month, or I've experienced him in a great way? That is so, so awesome. And today, we are wrapping this whole thing up, this series we've been doing called Encounters. And here's what we said every single week, it's more than just a series. Everybody say, it's more than just a series is more than just a series. It's more than just a few messages that we put together and it has a title and a good graphic and all of that kind of stuff. This is a season that I believe God is bringing us through in the life of our church. In fact, every single week during this series and during this month, we have given you opportunity to really encounter God in a big way. Man, we've given you these prayer walls on both sides of the room that every week we give you opportunity to come up and put your needs on the wall. And isn't it amazing as we have just seen week after week as these walls have filled up with people crying out to God and asking God to meet their needs and that is pretty pretty incredible what well, what's even better than that is that week after week I've looked at the walls and you just kind of start to see the walls kind of filling up with the pink ones come on right the pink cards that represent prayers that are being answered and it's so so cool in fact just this week I just thought I'm just gonna go by and just pull down a couple of the pink cards and just see what are some of the things that is happening in people's lives. I thought I'd share a couple of them with you. How many want to hear a few praise reports, prayers that have been answered? I just randomly pulled these down. I pulled this one down. It says, I've been praying for my family to grow closer in their relationship with God. And now my daughter is going on a missions trip and my other uh, daughter is leading a Bible study in our home. That's pretty awesome, right? I love that. I love, I love this one. I see my friends out there who I, I think this one's about said, I've been praying for three years that my work schedule would change. I've been working nights and I want to work Monday through Friday so I can be at church on Sundays. He said, God finally answered my prayer. Now I'm only on days. I have weekends off. I can be at church every weekend. Plus I got a raise too. That's pretty awesome. And then he says, not only that, but my wife also got a great new job, and God is answering our prayers. That's pretty stinking cool, right? And then, I, man, I love this one. It's only one line, but I love it. It just says, my husband asked Jesus to be a Savior. That is what it's all about, and that is awesome as we have encountered God in big ways during this month. And let me just tell you, if you put a prayer need on the wall and you have not yet seen God answer that need, I just want to tell you, don't give up. Look at your neighbor, tell him, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't stop praying. We're not going to stop praying for you. And even if it didn't happen this month, of course, there's still a few days left in this month, right? But even if it didn't happen or doesn't happen in this month, if you will keep hanging on, I'm telling you, God is going to hear. He's going to answer those prayers because, man, it's more than just a series. We're gathering together. We're praying over needs. Every Sunday night during this series, we have joined together for Encounter Nights. How many have enjoyed Encounter Nights? Man, I'm telling you. It has been awesome. If you have not been to an encounter night yet, you are missing out. In fact, look at your other neighbor and tell him, you're missing out. 
You're missing out on some good stuff. Tonight is our last chance to come together. So if you haven't been yet, there's good news. Good news is there's still one tonight at five o'clock and we're going to come together. We're going to celebrate all that God has done. We're going to worship. We're going to pray over needs. We're going to pray over the needs that are on the walls. And then we're going to do something very, very special tonight at the end of the encounter night. We're actually going to leave this room and we're going to go out those doors and we're going to go into the new auditorium that's being built. Come on, you get to go in there and look around. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a Sharpie and I'm going to show you a little section on the wall, not all over, just where I show you. You can actually, come on, you can write the names of people that you're praying for and the people that we believe that are going to come to Jesus in that new auditorium to make a difference. It's going to be a really powerful night. So just look at both neighbors on both sides and just say, don't miss tonight. Come on, do it, do it, do it. Don't miss tonight. Don't miss tonight. It's going to be awesome. And it has been so awesome. And so now the only question left is this, where do we go from here? Like if this has been so amazing that God has encountered us in such incredible ways during this month, what's the next step? Where do we go? What do we do? And I'll tell you, the temptation would be this. The temptation would be to say, man, this is it. Like we have arrived. The presence of God is here. This is what we've been believing for. We're on the top of the mountain. Let's just set up camp and stay here forever. But I'll tell you, if we did that, we'd be missing out. We'd be missing out on the very purpose, the very reason for this entire month, the very reason that we would even have an encounter with God in the first place. And I want to talk about it just a little bit today. In fact, what I want to do is I want to talk about two different encounters that happened to two of the same people. In fact, I had never even noticed that these were actually the same people in both of these encounters until I started kind of uh, studying it and looking at it for this message and for today. And so we're going to find two different encounters that happened to these two guys, Peter and John. And we find the first one in Matthew chapter 17. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. And then we're also going to be in Acts chapter 3, so you can be ready to go there as well. Let's look at this encounter, Matthew chapter 17 and verse number 1. Let's read it together. It says, and after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them on a high mountain by themselves. And there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as light. And just then appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Man, you talk about an encounter with God. I mean, this week, this month, we've been talking about having a face-to-face encounter with God. I mean, it don't get much better than that. I mean, first of all, you're on top of a mountain. How many know ain't no better place to experience God than out in the wilderness on top of the mountain? And here they are with Jesus on top of this mountain. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that light begins to shine down on Jesus' face. Like, oh, you know, light from heaven. I mean, oh, amazing. His clothes become so bright and so light. Man, as I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking like of a scene from like Lord of the Rings or something. I mean, can you imagine... And here's Jesus, like all the glory of God is shone down upon him. Can you imagine what that would have been like? And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I mean, it was just the four of us. And then suddenly, there's two other dudes that have actually been dead for hundreds of years, Moses and Elijah, that just show up and start talking with Jesus. How many say, that's a crazy encounter with God? And what does Peter say in all of this? 
Peter had to say something because Peter always had something to say. And what does he say? Verse number four, look what he says. Same thing we probably would have said. It says, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good to be here right now. Come on. Have you ever been there before where it's like, man, the presence of God is there. You're crying. You're feeling the, the chills. You're feeling the presence. You're like, man, it is good to be here, right? And he says, it is good to be here. And then he says, here's what we'll do. We'll build three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and we'll just camp out here in God's presence forever. It's so good here, we'll just stay up on top of the mountain. Forget all those jokers down there, those losers at the bottom of the mountain. Let's just hang out up here with Jesus and and Moses and Elijah and the presence of God forever. And what happens? I love it. It's so awesome. Verse number five. While Peter was still speaking. Man, don't tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. I love that. Like, he didn't even wait for Peter to shut up. And he's just talking, hey, let's build and let's stay up here, build three tents and let's do our thing. And while he was speaking, a bright cloud covered all of them. And the voice of the Lord from heaven in the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And here's Peter going, hey, the presence of God is so good. Let's just hang out here forever and forget everything else, all the problems of the world. We can just bask in the presence, feel all the feels, get the goosebumps, just enjoy our time with God forever. And even while he's speaking, God says, shut up, Peter. (laughs) That's not what it's all about. That's not why I brought you here to the top of the mountain. Not just so that you could experience it for yourself, but I brought you to the top of the mountain so that I could show you my son. And when you really see my son, what you're going to do is you're going to know that he is the son of God and you're going to listen to him. And when you have a real encounter with my son, you can't help but come down from the mountain to people who are hurting and share that encounter with others. See, here's the deal, guys, is that the purpose of the encounter is not just so we can keep it to ourselves. The purpose of this month has not just been so that we can have our prayers answered or we can have our needs met or we can have a great time in the presence of God. The purpose of this month has always been so that we can take the presence of God and what he has done in our lives to a world around us that's lost and hurting. The truth is that is always the purpose of the encounter. You look at all of the different encounters that we looked at during this series, and you'll see that it all led to the same thing. In Isaiah, Isaiah had an encounter with God. He said, man, look at how great God is, and look at how low I am. And then what happened? He said, I look around and see a world that is hurting. And what did God say to him? In the middle of that encounter, look around and see there are people that need me. Who will go for me? And Isaiah said, I'll go. You think about what we talked about in week number two, the man who was crippled beside, beside the, the, the pool of Bethesda. And you see what happened when Jesus reached down his hand and when he picked up his mat and he began to walk, he didn't just stop there. The Bible goes on to say that he went around and told everyone that it was Jesus that had healed him. 
Man, you look, at, you look at the disciples in the book of Acts, what we looked at last week and how they had that encounter with God where they were filled with the Holy Spirit, but the purpose of the encounter and the purpose of the Holy Spirit was not just so that they could have a great time in the presence of God. The purpose was to give them power. In fact, Acts 1.8 tells us that we will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes on us so that we can be a witness, not just so we can keep the presence for ourselves, but so that we can do just like Peter did right after the day of Pentecost as he stood up in front of thousands and 3,000 people were saved and all of the disciples scattered through the world preaching the good news of Jesus. When you have had a true encounter with Jesus, when God has shown you his son, you can't help but come down from the mountain and share him with everybody else. And the temptation is to go, wow, man, the presence of God is so good. And this is what it's all about. But when we do that, we miss the purpose of the presence in the first place. And Peter said, let's just hang out here at the top of the mountain. But Peter learned a valuable lesson, which we actually see take place in this very next encounter. Same two guys, Peter and John. The Bible talks about them in Acts chapter 3 and verse number 1. Check it out. It says, one day, Peter and John, going up to the temple, the time of prayer, at 3 in the afternoon, and there was a man who was lame from birth who had been carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he had been put every day to beg for those, for those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he, said, he asked them for money. But Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. Everybody say, look at us. Look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. And he jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with him into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. These same two guys who had had an encounter with Jesus, with God on the mountaintop, now came down from the mountaintop. And God used them to help others have an encounter with that same God. And here's what I want you to see. If they would have built tents on the top of the mountain and stayed there forever, this man would have never received his healing. The truth is today, man, we could say, hey, this is what it's all about. Let's have an encounter with the presence of God. And yes, that's important, but it's more than just having services. It's more than just having encounter nights. It's more than just praying prayers and feeling Good, that there is a world that is lost and hurting, and if we don't come down for the mountain and go to them to share with them the Jesus that we have been shown, they will not encounter God in the same way we have. See, God has not just called us to have an encounter with him, but to help others have an encounter with him as well. If that's going to happen, I think there's four things that we're going to have to we're going to have to do four things that I think we can see from this, from this story in Acts chapter 3 that happened for Peter and John and that need to happen for us if we're going to help others to have an encounter with God. The first one is this. If you're taking notes, we're going to have to see what others don't see. In fact, check this out. Here's this guy sitting by the temple courts. I mean, the Bible says he had been there, or he had been, he had been crippled since birth. And the Bible says that every day someone would come and place him there. Now, we don't know how long he had been there, but I think we could probably estimate that, hey, if he had been crippled since birth and every day that people would take him to the temple courts, probably for a long time this guy had been there. 
In fact, we could probably, I don't think it would be a stretch to say that, hey, many times people might have walked by this guy and not even really paid any attention to him. I think we could even say that maybe even Peter and John had probably seen this guy before and maybe on other days had even walked past him that others maybe didn't even notice that he was there because he'd been there for so long. And isn't it true that the longer we see something, the less we notice it? Isn't that true? I've, I've experienced this as a, as a pastor. When we first planted the church, we moved here to Burleson. Not long into it, we were able to get into this building, which was an incredible blessing. And yet the building that when we moved in, it didn't look like it looks to, right now. It was a building that was built in 1976. And we moved in here in 2006. So that means for 30 years, it had looked exactly the same. Like it did 30 years ago, Right. And, and I remember we would invite people to come to church, you know, your church planter, and you're like, come to our church. And, and, and people would say, well, LifeGate Church, where's that at? And we would always have to say, well, you know, it's behind Hobby Lobby because everybody knows where Hobby Lobby is or it's over there by the swimming pool. And every time people would say the same thing, really? I didn't even know there was a church there. Not very encouraging to a church planter, if you know what I mean. And, and something changed, though, just, just a few years later, as we began to bring changes to the building, as we began to tear off the old facade and began to put new facade up and add the kids' wing and begin to redevelop and, re- and reconstruct and, and, and make changes to the building, suddenly when we would say LifeGate Church over there by the swimming pool, people would go, oh, I know that church. That's the one that's doing the construction. And then just a few months ago, when the new building, the big building started going up, it's like everybody knows where LifeGate is. That's the one building, that weird-looking building out there, right? And what was the difference? The difference, I mean, we were here all along. What was the difference? Nobody noticed. Nobody saw. Like we had even become kind of invisible until something changed so that people would look. And the truth is here today is that there's a difference between seeing and looking. Come on, we can pass by people every single day and see them, but nothing really changes until we begin to look for them. In fact, this is what happens in this passage. The Bible says it right there. It says that Peter looked straight at the man, the guy who he had possibly walked by many, many times, maybe dozens of times he had seen this man and never noticed. But something was different on this day, that Peter had had an encounter with God that changed the way that he saw. He no longer saw things the way that he saw them before. Now he began to see things through God's eyes, through spiritual eyes, through eyes of compassion for the world around. And the truth of the matter is today, guys, is there are people all around us who are hurting. People that we walk by every single day. People that you see in the carpool lane as you're dropping your kids off. People that you see at the soccer practice as you're sitting there waiting on your kids to finish practice. People that you work with. People in your family. People in your neighborhood who are hurting. And many times we don't see them. We walk right past them. I don't know why. Maybe it's because we're so busy with our own lives and all that we have to do and everywhere we have to go. Maybe it's because maybe it's because we got our own hurts and struggles and problems in our own life and we can't see the hurts and problems of others because we're so focused on our own. Maybe it's because we're so focused on having our own encounter with God that we forget to realize that, that it's all, not just about me and my encounter with God and we pass them by every single day. People who are struggling and people who are 
hurting and people who need someone to reach out and give them a hand and a need. And we gotta begin to we gotta begin to open our eyes and begin to look around and begin to see the people that that just as Peter did, we begin to look at them and even in the midst of a of a beautiful community that we live in. See, sometimes I think we think, you know, in order to see someone who's hurting, it's someone, you know, living under a bridge or on a corner somewhere holding up a sign. But even in beautiful Burleson, Texas, there are people that are hurting. I mean, I noticed this about this passage. The Bible says that the man was placed at this gate that was called beautiful. Why do you think they called it beautiful? Probably because it's beautiful, <laughs> Right? And yet, here's a man at a place that is a beautiful place, so beautiful that they named it that. He's still hurting. He's still struggling. You know what the truth is? You can live in the most beautiful neighborhood in town and still have hurts and struggles. You can drive the nicest car, have the best, the best. I mean, you can put it on Instagram, make everyone think how great your life is and still have hurts and struggles inside. And sometimes we think, ah, oh, there's not... There's not those kind of people in my world around me, but man, if we would open our eyes, we would we'd see them even in beautiful places and yet spiritually crippled. You know what the Bible says? This man, you know where he was? Not just at the beautiful gate. He was actually at the, at the foot of the temple. He was in church. I'm going to mess y'all's theology up just a little bit. Let me just tell you, you can even be sitting in church, have hurts, struggles, Needs. I'll just tell you, there are people sitting in this room, in, the, in these chairs right now. Man, we got it together on the outside, but on the inside, we're struggling and we're hurting. And when we've had an encounter with God that really changes us, it changes the way that we see others. That instead of just walking right past, we see people that no one else sees. We see with God's eyes, with eyes of compassion, because we begin to look. So you're going to have to see what others don't see. Number two, write this down. If we're going to help others to have an encounter with God, we're going to have to hear what others don't hear. In fact, check this out in verse number three. It says, and when, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. But then Peter said, silver and gold, I don't have. But what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Now, I want you to check this out. This guy didn't ask to be healed. He didn't say, help me walk. What did he say? (laughs) Give me money. Like he was saying something that they didn't give him, but here was the difference. That Peter and John weren't just listening with natural ears. They were listening with spiritual ears. They weren't just listening at what the guy said. They were listening at what was behind the words that the guy said. And how many know here today that Many, many times, there's more to what someone is saying than just the words they're saying. Like when they start to talk, come on, how many know? If you're married in this place, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because it's not just what they say, it's what they mean. In fact, do I have any husbands in the house today? Come on, husbands in the house. I'm going to help you out. In fact, I came, up, I came across this. This is actually literal translation. This will help you. So when your wife says something, you can run it through this translator, and it will help you to know what she really means when she says it, all right? Are you ready for this? When she says yes, you run it through the translator. This is what it actually means. No, okay? Okay, you guys got that? When she says no, you run through the translator, what it actually means. It still means no, okay? When she says maybe, 
you run it through, and you guess it, it still means no. Come on, am I helping you, right? When she says, I'm sorry, what she actually means is you'll be sorry, right? When she says, we need, what she really means is I want. (laughs) Come on, all the ladies. When she says, it's your decision, what she's really saying is the correct decision should be obvious to you by now. When she says, do what you want, what she's saying is do what you want, but you'll pay for it later. (laughs) When she says, we need to talk, what she's really saying is I need to complain. Oh, no, none of the ladies in the house would do that. When she says, sure, go ahead, what she really means is you can do it if you want to, but you're going to never hear the end of it. When she says, I'm not upset, what she really means is, of course I'm upset, you idiots. When she says, you're so manly, what she really means is you need to shave and you sweat a lot. When she says, this kitchen is so inconvenient, what she really means is, I want a whole new house. When she says, I want new curtains, what she actually means is, I want new curtains and new carpet and new furniture and new wallpaper, and maybe just go ahead and get me a whole new house. When she says, I heard a noise, what she really means is, I noticed you were almost asleep. When she says, do you love me, what she really means is, I'm going to ask you for something expensive. When she says, how much do you love me? What she really means is I did something today and you're really going to hate it. When she says, I'll be ready in a minute. What she really means is go ahead and watch a movie or do something else because it's going to be at least an hour. Come on. And when she says, you need to learn how to communicate. What she really means is just agree with me. All right. And here's the deal. It's, it's funny, but isn't it true that what people say and what they mean are not always the same thing? In fact, how many of you ever asked somebody how they're doing And they say, fine, and you know they're not fine. But you're kind of happy that they said fine because you really didn't want to know. Come on, right? And here's the deal. When we've really had an encounter with God, you know what happens? Is that God opens our ears to hear not just what people are saying, but to hear what's going on behind what people are saying. That instead of them saying fine, and we're glad they said fine because we don't really want to know, instead we're like, What do I really, how can I really help in this situation? Because here's what I know, all right? In 42 years on this planet, here's what I've learned. The issue is never really the issue. What people say is the issue, that is usually not the issue. If you've got someone complaining about the, the boss at work, it's probably not really the boss. It's probably something else going on deep down inside, something going on at home. Come on, when people complain about church, about the pastor or whatever, when people come in and talk to me about things, here's what I'm listening for. Not just the issue that they come in to talk about, but what's the underlying thing that they're really saying. And if we're going to help people encounter God, we've got to hear with, with these kind of ears that say, I don't want to just hear the issue. I want to hear the issue behind the issue. And that's exactly what Peter and John did, that when, when the man said, I need money, they realized that, yeah, that was part of the issue, but there was a deeper issue. And I don't have any money, can't even help you. And even if I gave you money, that would only help you for a little while, but I have something better for you than that. I'm going to listen with God's ears, and I'm going to be able to reach down my hand and actually bring help and bring healing that, hey, the issue, maybe you're talking about your marriage, but it's really not that. It's really something else. Maybe you're talking about the government and making your all the stuff on Facebook about, but it's really not the government. What it is is really something else going on in your life. You're complaining about your job, but man, it's really not that. There's something else, and I may not be able to help you with your marriage, and I may not be able to fix your job, and I know I can't fix the government, but I have something that can help you that will fix the real issue going on in your heart. Let me point you to Jesus. 
You have to see what others don't see. We got we to gotta hear what others don't hear. Number, number three, write this one down. We're going to have to learn to say what others won't say. Check it out. Verse number four, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. But then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Here's the deal is that Peter saw the need. He heard the need, but then he was willing to speak directly to the need. Some of us say, man, I want to be a witness, but I don't know how. I don't know what to say. Some of us even pray, God, give me opportunities to point people towards you. And then the opportunity is right in front of us, and we don't see it. Man, when people are complaining about things, you know what that really is? It's an opportunity to begin to point them to Jesus. When people are are talking about their problems, you know what that is? That's an open door to be able to lead them to the one who can change their lives. And so we have to see it. In fact, I like what what Pastor Andy Stanley says. He says there's three things to listen for if you're going to be a witness. Three knots, he calls them. He says when you hear someone say, we don't go to church or we're not in church, perfect opportunity to say, you know what, our church is awesome, and I would love for you to come and be a part of it. When you hear people say something like, something happened in my life, and I was not expecting it, or it caught me off guard, perfect opportunity to begin talking to them about, you know what, we went through something like that too, and let me just tell you how God helped me in my life through that. When you hear these words, you know what, man, we're just not doing very good right now. Perfect opportunity to speak life and healing into their lives. This is what Peter and John did. They heard the man say, I'm not doing good. And they said, I got something to help you. And God has called us to do that, to be a witness. And sometimes we go, I don't know what to say, how to say it and all of that kind of stuff. You just share what God's done in your life. And you speak those words of love. And here's, let me just help you a minute. I don't know what words to say or whatever. People aren't going to even remember the words you said. You know what they're going to remember? They're going to remember the way you made them feel. So you speak truth and you do it in love. You're going to have to see what others don't see, hear what others don't hear, say what others won't say. Number four, write this one down, is we're going to have to learn to reach those who others won't reach. Check this out, Acts chapter 3 and verse 2. I'd never noticed this before, but look what it says. It says, in each day he was put beside the temple gate. I want you to notice this. This man could have never had an encounter that changed his life if someone didn't bring him there. He didn't get there by himself. And guess what? There are people in our community who need an encounter with God just like what we've had that could change their life, just like what changed this man's life. But they can't have it unless somebody brings them. Some of you have people in your, in your life right now you got people that you know that are in your family or that you work with or that are in your neighborhood, and you know they're struggling. You've heard them communicate the struggles, and you say, I don't know how to help them. Here's how you help them. You just get them to a place. You just pick them up just like, just like these guys did for their friend and bring them. Bring them to the place where they can encounter God. They can change your life. And how do you do it? Man, you just put yourself in their shoes. You remember, what was it like before you had that encounter with God that changed your life? I can imagine as Peter was reaching down his hand to the, to the man, the thoughts that must have went through his mind as he must have thought, man, I remember when I was down and out. I remember when I was on top of that mountain and I opened my big mouth and said stuff and I felt so dumb when God interrupted me, but Jesus still loved me. 
I remember that time when I tried to walk on the water and I failed and I couldn't get back up, but Jesus still reached out his hand and picked me up again. I remember that time when I told Jesus I'd never fail him and I'd never forsake him. And then just a few hours later, I talked like I didn't even know who he was, denied him three times, but Jesus still loved me and he reached out his hand to me. And so now, because Jesus has done that for me, I want to reach my hand down and do that. Man, it's going to mean we're going to have to look around and see him. We're going to have to open our ears and hear him, even though that gets messy sometimes. That means we're going to have to reach down our hands. We're going to have to open our mouths. We're going to have to help others share the encounter that we've had. 